I'm Javed Nixon, President and CEO of Point Global Marketing, and you're tuned to Your Business Matters, a podcast brought to you by Exim Bank and hosted by Enika Watkins Portal. Your Business Matters brings thought leaders together on thought-provoking ideas every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on your favorite podcast app. You have questions and they have the answers. Luxury beaches, countless grains of pure white sand, tranquil breeze and palm trees, our beautiful island Jamaica. Oh, Jamaica. We miss the vibrancy of our tourism product, but hope is on the horizon. At Exim Bank, we know that SMEs in the tourism industry need support to keep this vision alive, to continue building our national legacy, to strengthen one of our country's strongest assets. We also know that in times of adversity, you need financing to keep serving the tourism sector. Our mandate is to help you so that you can survive, thrive, overcome challenges, and meet your financing needs. Let us help you to build a better future for your business. Ask about our small and medium-sized tourism enterprise loan today. Borrow up to 25 million with interest rates as low as 4.5% and up to seven years to repay. You can breathe easy. Enjoy your progress and continue contributing to Brand Jamaica. Exim Bank. By helping businesses, we save lives and livelihood. I am super excited to get into today's discussion, but before we do, Kareem Nemhard, Business Development Officer at the National Export-Import Bank of Jamaica, Exim Bank for short, joins me to share about the SMTE loan. Welcome, Kareem. Thank you so much, Anika. Thanks for having me. First up, what is SMTE? Our SMTE is a facility from the Tourism Enhancement Fund that is geared to entities that are linked directly and indirectly to the tourism sector. So that would be small and medium-sized tourism enterprises. That is absolutely correct. That's for small, medium tourism enterprises. Awesome. So why a loan specifically for that sector? Why is that sector important to Exim? All right. So as you know, our tourism sector is the lifeblood of our economy. most times when you speak to the small accommodation um, sector, they will speak to, you know, challenges in terms of access to financing and also the interest rate when they go to like um, the private banks to seek financing. Now, with this 4.5%, it is extremely low. It's the lowest on, um, available on the market right now. So that allows them to access cheap money to expand their capacity, whether it's, um, you know, refurbishing, renovating, adding additional room, um, you know, just the whole rebranding of their accommodation. So this allows them, as I said, to expand their capacity. So will applicants need to have collateral in order to access this loan? Yes, they do. But Exim is flexible. We use a wide range of um, collateral. So it can be real estate. It can be third-party guarantees. It can be hypothecation of cash um, that you may have there sitting in your savings account that you probably don't plan on touching anytime soon. Bill of sale over serialized equipment. We use good receivables. So, I mean, there is a multitude of different securities that Exim 
use um, as their collateral. And how does one qualify for the SMTE loan? Our qualification is once you are in operation for at least two years and you can prove that at least 25% of your revenue is derived from the tourism sector, you're qualified. Awesome. And finally, where can persons go to learn more about you know, getting access to the SMTE loan that Exim Bank offers? You can go to our website, um, eximbankja.com. Um, you can click on loans and you'll see all the different loans um, facilities that we have and click on SMTE and you'll see the literature there for your perusal. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kareem. That's Kareem Nemhard, Business Development Officer at the National Export-Import Bank of Jamaica. As I said, Exim Bank for short. Thank you, Kareem. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Welcome to Exim Bank's Your Business Matters. I'm your host, Henneke Watkins-Porter. On this show, we are bringing thought leaders together with thought-provoking ideas and methods on business matters to help grow your business. Fringe benefits are compensations given beyond an employee's normal wage. An employer might choose to offer fringe as benefits versus that of monetary compensation as it decreases the taxes that it would ordinarily attract. An article on boongroup.com stated that by offering fringe benefits and reducing cash expenses, fringe benefits help businesses to remain competitive. But the question is, does it offer the employee the same value return as it does the business owner? Wages paid to the employee are subject to income tax. The employer is required to offer certain benefits to employees, such as health insurance, one of the most prominent forms of fringe benefits to exist, along, of course, with life insurance. But in spite of this, several business owners still choose to pay benefits in cash as a preference, and many find it as a simple solution to a complicated issue. So, cash or kind, how do you compensate your workforce? I'm excited to hear what Francisca Anderson, Group HR Manager at Polypet Company Limited and Unibev, and founder of Strategic HR Concept Limited, as well as Donovan Cunningham, HR Manager, National People's Cooperative, what they have to say as we discuss rewarding the employee, cash versus fringe benefits. Welcome, lady and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Annika. Thank you. Hi, Donovan. Hi, Franz. Good to be here, Annika. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's get right into it. Um, I think we're going to start ladies first. So let me hear your opening argument, Francisco. The, the matter of fringe benefits are very important and critical, and especially in this time of where all as a world globally experiencing a pandemic. Whilst the employer in the past, employees in the past, used to seem to, and even the employees, not so much cater or be anxious to have these kind of benefits, fringe benefits, now that has changed. The entire landscape as it relates to a pandemic has shifted in that whilst you may be getting cash in the past, what is critical is that as it relates to staff morale, as it relates to engaging the staff, identifying the 
right candidate in terms of engaging them, retaining them, that is critical to a business, a company, an organization. I say that to say that I've heard in the past that our people are our greatest assets. We have heard in the past that we're an employer of choice. Well, I can tell my employers that making benefits as it relates to fringe benefits as the leading force is the way to go in this day and age. Thank you. All right. And before you go on to share your opening argument, um, Donovan, I think I want to, at this point, at this juncture, express, and you have expressed to me, ladies and gentlemen, that the views that you're expressing are not necessarily those um, reflective of the organizations that you work for. Um, so let me put that out there. And we are having a debate of sorts. So it means that, you know, you know, when you when you go to school challenge quiz and you select um a coin, as our tail, you just argue what you've gotten, right? So in this case, and I, I'd want to share that to our community of listeners. Go right ahead, Donovan. It's your time. Okay, thank you very much. Cash isn't everything, but it provides a sense of pride and ownership of our decision making and ultimately our lives. For those who are especially starting out in the world of work, it provides them with a level of self-reliance, with them being able to demonstrate that they're progressive. It also offers them a level of independence that they are in charge of their destiny. So how much is a job worth? All the benefits that employers give to an employee has a value in terms of a monetary value. It means, therefore, that the job is worth the cash that is given to the employees plus the benefits. Why not then give the employees their cash upfront so that they can make their decision? Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So let me ask a question now. I'm going to come back to some of your some of the points you made in the opening arguments, both of you. But I'm going to ask you directly now, which is uh, more of a motivator: myriads of all these benefits or money, according to um, research. Let's 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 go according to research. Which one motivates more? Certainly, as far as I'm concerned, and what I've read and my research, and even um, underground quick analysis and survey of questionnaire. Is and as again I said, in terms of the pandemic that is facing us, what has happened is that for even for argument's sake, in terms of fringe benefits, many children are not able to go to school. A part of a fringe benefits now look at the working from home, allowing the, 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 the worker to be able to work from home. There's some kind of flexibility is now the push basically. So you can give them a million dollars. There's no daycare center to leave the child. There's no after school care. So this is something that is now panning out and playing out in the workforce and in the workspace. So the benefits are, yes, of course, the, the fringe benefits, there's a value to it. But in terms of motivating, in terms of engaging, there are different levels that you can do as fringe benefits. And the, I mean, there's a slew of things that can be done. Fringe benefits, depending on the organization, it depends on what it is that you want. Um, cash, on the other hand, you use cash to attract and also to retain talents. 
Fringe benefit, on the other hand, is narrow. It provides for a certain group. It is not equitable in that not everybody will be able to get similar as well as if you are compensating from cash. My opponent spoke about work from home. I don't consider that as a benefit for an employee. The organization also benefits because for those who do not have children or don't have a family, they're still able to work from home and be productive for the organization. This is where the world is going. It's just that the pandemic has brought it to the fore that organizations need to adapt this mode, mode of work in order for them to survive based on competition. All right. So Donovan, earlier you talked about, you know, the fact that, and you made a valid point that the fact that these fringe benefits and we, and, and at some point we're going to go into what, what, what are some of those, right? But the, the fact that they have monetary value to them, right? Um, so you talked about why not just go right ahead and upfront give that value, that monetary compensation, as opposed to the fringe benefits, so that I believe you, you are alluding to that the employee can make their own decision with what they will do with their money. So is a fringe benefit or, or fringe benefits in general used to compensate for wage insufficiency in your mind? Yes, it is. And employers do this because they are wanting to limit or reduce their tax liability, right? um, Employees, on the other hand, cannot take a benefit. And for those who are not homeowners, you can't take a benefit and take it to your landlord and offer them. In in exchange for occupancy, they want cash as their rent. Okay. And what do you say to that? That same question, uh, Francisco. Is it that wage, um, those fringe benefits that employers, uh, you know, dole out to to employees, is it a compensation for uh, money, you know, insufficient uh, payment in terms of cash? And we are using the guise of motivator, you know, to, to, to soothe the employee. Not necessarily at all. I, I totally, while there are some weight to that, in general and practical terms, what happened is that the organization, the employer and employees has more of a win-win situation. Because one of the things, I mean, in general, for for example, you have a room of workers and you say, do I give you $5? Will that, would you suffice with $5 as a salary increase? And invariably, they may say yes. And that's it. At the end of the day, they don't know where that $5 goes. But if it is you take that $5 and say, okay, we're going to have a social, we're going to have some kind of fringe benefit for all the workers in general to benefit from then you will now get to that involvement where both the company and both the workers stand to gain and stand to win. And as we said before, attracting the right kind of workers, retaining them, building loyalty is very, very much, very important in this time and season. And as you talk about that, you know, what is coming into my mind right now is incentives, right? So is there a difference between incentives and and fringe benefits? There are differences in terms of incentive because you can, when you look at it, sometimes we get a little bit, it's crossover. Um, What happens is that 
when you talk about incentive, when you do, when you have a new worker, you have a job description. From the job description, you build out your key performance indicator. If you achieve X amount, 90%, you get X, Y, and Z. That speaks to you earn it. You actually earn it. So it, it, is, it is something that you have done to receive that, that fund. The, on the other hand, as it relates to fringe benefits, no, it is what now that will attract the individual. And if you notice, I keep saying attracting. If you, if you, there are workers even all right across well, well-known organization, the landscape, whether manufacturing, finance, or distribution entity, that you'll find that we'll say, whilst I will stay with this company while my salary apparently remains the same because I've, I mean, over the period, I may get a 2%, 5%, 6% salary increase. What it has helped me to do in terms of getting fringe benefits, in terms of education for my children, in terms of getting some kind of um, um, help as it relates to not just wellness. You talk about wellness, especially in this time, you're talking about health and mental wellness. That is so important. So they have the, and, and even a lot of the, the, the brokerage company that is offering this is attaching that as a benefit that it is, that is crucial and, and, and as a matter of importance for workforce. No, the mental health, your physical health, your emotional stability, having psychologists to talk to, being able to reach out to doctors that you would normally do. Fringe benefit, these are things that is outside of the regular norm of, of having and getting in the past. So fringe benefits, they, they seem to gear towards saving the business revenue rather than the employee's well-being, right? I know I've heard the argument, Fran, you know, um, from you, Francisco, regarding why companies would, why it's important for companies to pay, um, to incentivize, well, not incentivize based on how we've defined them, but to offer some motivator in the form of fringe benefits. But I'm putting this question out in another way, right? So again, I'm saying that fringe benefits seem to be geared towards saving the business revenue rather than the employee's well-being. Uh, I don't know who which one of you want to start first on that. Why is that so you believe, Donovan? Um, that is so because um, when you pay an employee what the job is worth, it provides them with uh, a level of stability. It provides them with a, 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 an emotional connection they, they, they are physically and emotionally, well, if you don't pay them properly, they feel physically and emotionally broke. It caused them to be distracted. They will not be able to function as they ought to or productively at work. My colleague spoke about the need to bring in psychologists and you know, using all of these things as motivators. I am saying to her this afternoon, if you pay the person what they're worth, then you won't have to bring in all these psychologists because guess what? The person would be in a position to pay and be empowered to pay that by themselves. They would understand that, listen to me, I have this amount of disposable income. And as such, I am not able to go beyond this particular limit. I have my child to send to school. I cannot wait on a benefit from an organization probably once per year and, I, and then they put me into a pool and I have to basically raffle to see whether or not my child is going to get that scholarship. I would have been empowered to pay for that education for my child. 
And that is why I'm saying that if employers value their employees, not only value their employees, but value the contribution that they make to the organization to become profitable, pay them properly, they, the, the, the allegiance will come from here because the employee will see that this employer values who I am. All right. So Donovan, let's talk about um, this economic climate that we're in, in Jamaica in particular. Please tell me which company is able to pay an employee exactly what they're worth. You, you do have an, a number of companies. I don't really want to get into advertising for, for, <laughs> for companies. But you have, you have companies like Reds, right? You have JPS, who also pays their employees properly. You do have a, a, a few banks that, in my opinion, they pay employees what they're worth. Right. And so, these employees are, if you, if, 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 you know, some of these, these employees even go as far as tell the institution that they don't, they don't need a union inside here. Unions get into organizations because employees realize that they are not benefiting from the gains or the contributions that they make to the organization. And therefore, they, they bring in these persons to come in and therefore to, to engage the, the, the executives to say, listen to me, my, my um, constituent is worth $5. Why are you paying them a dollar? And most of the time, it, 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 it evolves into an acrimonious relationship that takes away from what it is that the employee wants to do for the organization. But if you pay, as I said, if you pay the employee properly from up front, they will tell you, I don't need a union. I don't need somebody to come and advocate for me because my employer values me. And as a matter of fact, I will tell you, my own institution, employees volunteer to give back during the pandemic in order to keep the business afloat. We have never had to cut one employee's salary during this time. Mm -hmm because of how we treat our staff. So the allegiance will come as long as the employee feel valued and empowered. All right, so it seems as though um, the fringe benefits would more likely be suited based on your argument for these small and medium-sized um, enterprises who don't necessarily have the budget um, to pay an employee what they're worth. Am I correct in this assumption? I would say that's an assumption. <laughs> If you notice right now in the United States, right now there's a shortage of labor. Why? Because employees realize that over the years, employers have not been paying them their true worth. Even though some companies have come forward and increased a little bit above minimum wage, employees are still refusing it. And employees are, are crying foul. They're saying that they can't get credible workers. Why? because the employees are now wising up. They're knowing their worth. They know at the end of the year, you declare all this profit. And at the end of the day, the employee cannot go home with a, with, with, with a, a wage that is with a disposable level of income that they're able to take care of their basic needs. A lot of them are basically living on food stamps. 
are using food stamps to supplement their income. That's in the United States. Why is it so when the, when the employer is declaring super profit? Mm -hmm. It is these line staff that allows you to benefit or allows you to make that income for your company. Why not reward them properly? Mm -hmm. And we're actually living in the in the era of the great res resignation where, you know, everybody's resigning left, right and center. Um, companies are now recognizing that they no longer have or wield the power that they once had, because there was a point when, you know, the employer employee relationship was was kind of out of balance where it was the employer that was waving and uh, wielding all this power. But now the employee has taken back the power, has taken the reins, and they're saying they're standing up and saying, "No, I rather not have a job than to work under this um, condition." Now, uh, Francisco, you've heard a lot that Donovan has said. Now it's time for me to hear to hear from you because I know that you're 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 listening and you're reflecting <laughs> on the on the words that he's uttering right now. So go ahead and um and and do some rebuttal, as I, it were. I I, thank you. I think the, the, the stance Donovan is taking, and if someone listening would um, glean from it, is as if that organizations in general are paying the workers less than they are worth. And I would ask the question, and permit me, if I may, Heneko, is what is the true worth of an individual, of a worker, based on their skill set? I can tell you from one line staff to a skill worker, the line staff will tell you, and I just, as I said before, I'm not speaking on behalf of my company, I'm just putting it in general, in that a line staff may say, my worth, I am a line staff, and my worth is, for argument's sake, $300,000. A skill worker may say, my worth is a million dollars to the business, the truth of the matter is when you analyze both roles, is it true to say that the 300,000 line staff is full compensation and equal and right and just for the contribution versus the technical skill person? When you do different surveys out of from UK, you name it, um, you will hear voices, and in particular, even our own setting, let us come back to Jamaica. When we do survey, one of the things we do, we look at, and I don't want to call any name company here, but even the very leading ones, and you look at even for a plant staff, uh, a general worker, a secretary, regardless of the rank, regardless of the profession that the person um, has, you will find that one of the things employers do uh, is to do survey to say where we are. You have the Jamaica Employees Federation that assist in, in providing um, the employers with this level of information right across the landscape of Jamaica. I hear my opponent speaking more of the, on the assumption that in general, the workers are getting less than and because they are getting less than now this is what you're doing as a makeup for it and invariably that is an assumption and that is the myth that has been seen for so many decades because many times when you sit with individual workers they will say miss fran me know some may get good pain about boy the rice gone up the sugar gone up everything gone up i mean no i mean no but 
I have six children, I have 12 children. So you're saying that your skill set is to pay $5, but because you have six and 10 and 12 children, I must pay you because you have no six and 12 children. I think we need to put in context when we talk about a skilled person, when you talk about workers in general, and let us, and, and the truth of the matter, if I may say, I think in general, and I, I, I know I'm gonna get into trouble here, but, but you can cut out this part if you have to, Eniga. Our unions are in trouble because they, in instances they are of no effect because the company many times just cannot afford to it and you strike and you whatever and people go home and whatever it's just a cycle going on so if you find if you realize now the, the unions are more engaging even attracting labors from overseas to come to to be a part of our workforce to, to be a part of an employer to, to offer business and so on in our country, you realize they are more entertaining and sitting at the table and working together to get this done. And that is something that we need to be careful to put in context. Thank you. All right. So um, Donovan, I um, know- Helica, permit me though to, <laughs> to just respond to something that my colleagues say, if I may. All right, quickly, because yeah, I, yes, I, was, I, was just gonna say, I was just going to say that was food for thought when she said she's putting a question to you. But if you can <laughs> respond, um succinctly then go right ahead yeah there's several components that comprises um compensation and there are, there are reasons why a line staff is compensated different from a skilled worker because you're going to look at experience you're going to look at education a number of uh, components are going to come into play and what what i hear my colleagues saying then that a line staff who probably might have 12 children and getting say three hundred thousand dollars and is unable to survive on that you're asking a skilled person who has gone to university and studied for five, six years, depending on what it is that they have studied, you're asking them to subsidize that kind of behavior. I'm saying to you, if you compensate the person according to their skill set, according to their education, according to their work, you will get the outcome. All right. Well said. Um, great points, Francisco. Well said, Donovan. No, we have had andre listening in for a while and i know he has a burning question that he wants to put forward so i'm going to invite andre on to tell his full name as well as share what he does and then run and proceed to to ask his question hi everybody hi 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 very very hi andre I'm donovan and francisca um i'm andre rob i'm the founder of a legal tech startup based in kingston called will and tomorrow and as a small startup, my question is, as a small startup, my question is, I'm wondering if there are in fact some fringe benefits that, that are more equal than others and that when they are considered as part of the compensation package, they in fact do the work of motivating and attracting the kind of talent that would otherwise um, consider an opposing um, offer. So if there are, what in your experience are the kinds of fringe benefits that will actually make my startup stand out? All right. All right. Thank you so for that question, Andre. I think, Francisco, you're going to take that one. Okay. Um, congratulations, Andre, on your new business. Congratulations. Love to see young persons just stepping and just doing lots of work on the landscape and 
just getting things done. Very important point, and it goes back to the fact I made, the point I made in terms of fringe benefits, because as a new company just coming, I mean, unless you somebody that leave billions and millions of dollars for you, you can do so much. And in invariably, unfortunately, the bank, depending on the business you're doing, is not able to give you and give you that kind of a subsidy at the startup point. One of the things, a couple of things you can do even in terms of as new business coming up and how you can benchmark and even leverage better than my, my, my opponent company that he speaks of um, so well and, and other companies, JPS, et cetera, is that the, the, the buy-in from the get-go of somebody, a, a new recruit coming into the business, so a new recruit coming into the business and you share your vision of where the company is and your model for where you want to be. Adding to that, you, based on the small business, you may be able to say, look, if you, if in terms of fringe benefits, you may be able at the end to say, all right, I'm at the end of 12 months, six months, you know, outside of performance evaluation, outside of the regular incentive that by law you have to, to pay and to give, you may be able to say, once we do well in this particular area, as a part of the fringe benefit, rather than two weeks vacation, I'm gonna be able to give you three weeks or four weeks. You don't have to work five and six years to be able to benefit from that. Because at the end of the day, you don't have the money physically to pay out, but you have that, that you can allow the person to take some time, some quality time. Do Some companies do what we call departmental. You're small yet, so you don't have several departments, but even a, a, a company of eight persons, or five person, you may be able to structure it that that person or person can be structured in ways that they can get three weeks vacation to just go to enjoy time. You can even give them vouchers, vouchers for, you know, lunch vouchers or just a, a, a massage voucher, something that will stimulate them and encourage them to say, look, whilst I may not be able to give, you know, the, the trip to, to Paris and, 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 and all those places, as a small business, I can afford to do this. And so that is something that can be looked at. I hope that helped. All right. All right. Thank you. Um, I Donovan, since you were arguing for cash, um, I'm not going to allow you to, to respond to, to that um, aspect okay. of the question. Um, but I'm going to take this opportunity to, to, to say thanks. Thanks to you, Andre, for coming in and asking your question. To yourself, Donovan Cunningham, to Francisco Anderson, and let me just give a reminder of the companies that they represent. Donovan Cunningham is HR Manager, National People's Cooperative, as well as Francisco Anderson, who is great, uh, Group HR Manager at Polypet Company Limited and Unibev, and her company, which she founded, Strategic HR Concept Limited. Now, before I say goodbye, I'd love to have you both just share your final thought, you know, your final thoughts, your final tip, um, one tip that you can leave with our business owners to make decision as they contemplate employment, just as um, Will and Tomorrow, Andre um, Rob, the founder of Will and Tomorrow, he asked about, you know, the startup and, and, and what we can do as fringe benefit, but just leave a tip for our community of listeners to, um, to level up in their employment game. I like the point you make, level up. And I said, level up to all those that are listening. Once you hear this, 
level up with fringe benefits, level up employers, because one of the things you always seek and all of us seek to speak of is to attract, retain, and engage. Another point I must mention is employee branding and employer of choice. You want that to be named and your mark to be there. Even when you're long gone, you want that to be there. And last but not least, to create an environment that your workforce are happy with. You don't come to work to be happy, but I can tell you, it's good to be happy at work. Thank you. Thank you, Henika. And I would close by saying in today's competitive job market, where companies are competing to attract and retain the best talent, companies must provide outstanding employee experience by showing the employees that they value them, by showing them that the work that they do is of value to the organization. When you share your vision with the employees, when you get the buying and get the employees aligned, I am telling you that they are going to be your best brand ambassadors as they will have a stake in seeing the survival of your organization. Thank you very much. Where can our listeners find you? Okay, you can find me at Lot 19 Nashville, Mandeville. Telephone number 9625360, National People's Cooperative Bank of Jamaica. Thank you. Thank you, Donovan. Francisco, go right ahead and tell us where to find you. Okay, you may find me at Strategic HR Concept JA1 at gmail.com. And the number is 876-379-6504. Thank you. Thank you so All much, Francis. HR. Yes, Francisca Anderson, Donovan Cunningham, and Andre Rob from Will and Tomorrow. Where is Will and Tomorrow? Where we can find you online, Andres? We have a website, which is www.willandtomorrow.com. We're on all the socials at Will and Tomorrow. Thank you so much. And usually, you know, I don't give a, an opportunity to the persons who come and ask questions to share where to find your business. But I think this is so important. Um, and personally, you know, this business struck a card with me because we as entrepreneurs, we hustle and grind, but we don't think about what happens when we are no longer here to put things in place. And I and I find that this business um, is one that we need to uh, we need to explore and we need to give a call because you know we we don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, and and it's not my intention to end this show on a on a on a note like this, but it's important that we think about the future and think about those we love. So um, I would recommend that we go and check out Will and Tomorrow. Wonderful. We'll check it out, Mr. Andre. And thank you. Thank you so much, my amazing listener, for tuning in to another episode of Your Business Matters. Of course, it's a production of Exim Bank Jamaica in partnership with me, Henneke Watkins Porter of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. We trust that this episode provided some clarity on the matter of cash and fringe benefits for employees. Remember to join us next week for another insightful episode as we help to move you closer towards your business goals. To stay in touch or to learn more about Exim Bank, visit eximbankja.com. In the meantime, please follow our podcast via your favorite podcast app. Your Business Matters, bringing the matters to the table because your business matters. And as you continue to mind your own business, I leave you with a quote from Robert Kiyosaki 
I explain the law of compensation like this. Returns are minimal in spite of massive efforts at the start. Yet, returns can be massive with minimal effort over time. Do take care. It has been my pleasure to have you on Lady and Gentlemen. Well, I'm going to say Gentlemen. Lady and Gentlemen on the uh, Your Business Matters podcast and radio show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you. Hi, Andre Donovan. And remember, Donovan, fringe benefits, the way to go. Remember, <laughs> Andre, you go. You got that one. Pay your employees what you're worth. 